Welcome to More Than a Budget, a podcast presented by Relational Media. Co-founders Jeff Fine Thomas, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and John Mitchell, a certified financial planner, combine the fields of psychology and personal finance to help couples improve their relationships and discover what is more important than money. I'm Jeff. And I'm John. Today we're talking about sex and money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John says. You know, in my work, I'm, I'm a therapist, and in my work, sex and money are common subjects that people bring to talk about. We've talked about it before that it's uh, cited as one of the, or two of the most common reasons for marriages splitting up. Yes. At least the, the reasons that they cite. Mm-hmm. The underlying reasons may be different, but that's the ones they say on the surveys, right? But it's a little bit hard to imagine how these two are connected, I think we're going to draw some connections between them today. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you imagine are some of the connections? Well, I think some of the similarities are, um, first off, they're both actually, we think they're kind of easy. I mean, you think about, you know, the mechanics, the basic mechanics of sex. You know, we're taught that in junior high, we go, you know, biology class, and we giggle a little bit. But, you know, hey, it's not complicated, one might say. And with money, you think, you know, how hard is money? I mean, you just make sure that you don't spend more than you make. And you, you know, you try to make some basic decisions that don't wreck things, right? How hard is that? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, that seems pretty straightforward. And yet, and yet, uh, we see people all the time going, I don't know how I got here. Or I can't seem to, you know, organize my way out of this. Um, or I don't know why I keep doing X, Y, and Z. I think on both subjects, I see that persistently in my work. Because the thing that seems simple or straightforward is something that's um, causing very serious pain in the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm working with a couple, let's say, there might be, you know, they say that the subject, that the problem is sex or the problem is money, and they've tried everything they know to try to work it out, and yet... Um, it seems to be getting more complicated and more complicated and more complicated. It's like it's like being stuck in the mud in your car, mm-hmm. and the more gas you give it, the deeper you get into that hole, and they can't can't get themselves out. You know, I think of struggles with both of these topics can lead to a fair amount of resentment. For sure, I think you know resentment is, on both subjects is a, a very big part of what makes them painful, and we get to resentment because. We, we're misunderstood or something has gone wrong and we misinterpret or miscommunicate about whatever that subject is, sex or money. And it happens over and over and over again. You know, we, we typically, if our relationship is pretty good, then we'll give our partner the benefit of the doubt if there's a small glitch in our communication mm-hmm. or in our relationship. But when that glitch happens over and over again in a patterned way, it's suddenly, uh, you know, potential area to have some resentment about. Yeah, this need that I have is not ever going to be met. Yeah. You know, I think another thing that they have in common is that if they're not ha- handled well, they can both be, lead to a sense of betrayal. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, yeah, my partner spent $10,000 at the casino or, or you know, or $2,000 on the purse or the shoes or the golf clubs or whatever and didn't talk to me about it 
or quit a job without telling me. Yes. And we, and, and we don't have that money. Right. And so it's like a sense of being stolen from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, around sex, it's the same sort of thing. Like there was some conversation with someone at work that was flirtatious and it's immediately, you know, a sense of being betrayed. And so, you know, I think this is a common possible outcome in this area, sense of betrayal. You know, you and I, um, it's funny because I'm going to bet that you have a lot more conversations with your patients about sex than I do. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Although (laughs) I'd be interested to hear yours. (laughs) We we really don't. Yeah. I, you know, I've made the joke. I've made the joke in the past that, you know, couples um, typically will divorce over money or sex. Um, But if you're arguing over money, there's probably not going to be any sex. Uh Yeah. yeah. You know, I kind of, I make that little giggle, but um, it's funny to me because obviously as a financial planner, I have, I have no qualms of bringing a client or a couple, um, into a place where they're uncomfortable, where they're a little bit insecure talking about their finances. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually where improvement happens. That's where growth happens. Right? Sure. Sure. Um, but I can tell you today that I would be massively uncomfortable sitting in front of you, um, having a talk about sex. And in fact, I had to really force myself to use the word sex. Sex right now, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what's it what's it like on your side? I mean, is is there a lot of conversations in therapy that end up talking about you know physical intimacy? I think I think there are. I mean, I talk about sex with people every day. So, and and people generally know when they're coming to therapy that this subject might come up, either because it's just an important subject that they need to talk about, like it's a a point of importance to them specifically or because they know it's just a part of like life and they need to talk about it so that we can get to know each other um, in, in some kind of a deeper way or so that I can understand the context of their life. You know, the, so it, to me, it's like you, like, you know, talking about sex every day is not a big deal. I don't, it doesn't cause me any anxiety or, you know, I'm not uncomfortable, with, but, but lots of people are very uncomfortable with it. So where does that insecurity come from? Because my skin's crawling just as we're just right now. now. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's a a part of our culture that we ought to keep certain aspects of our life private. And that means not talking about it. Now, you know, oftentimes not even talking about it with your partner. So you might be having sex with your partner, but not talking about it with them. And I think that's really fascinating. Like you wouldn't use words to describe your experience of one of the most important connections or, you know, emotional connections you have with another human being. You're not going to find words to describe that, or you're not going to say what you like or what you don't like or what it means to you or what you would like change or you know any of that stuff. I think that's fascinating. So, you know, I, I think your experience is common. Lots of people, Lots of people don't like to talk about sex. But you know what's really interesting? In my practice, talking about sex is common. Not just because I ask, but because people want to talk about it Mm -hmm. for one reason or another. But what's much less common in my practice is talking about money. Much less common? Or would you say, but it's still easier to talk about money than sex, right? No. I, I think most people really find talking about money in my office as taboo. The cultural norms that you ought not to talk about how much money you make or how much money you spend 
are are powerful and they impact my time with people uh, i think in a much bigger way than talking about the you know sex and sexuality so i th- i think that's fascinating I mean, obviously you talk about people's money all the time and that's an intimate conversation right i mean lots of times you've described people coming to your office and feeling some emotion because of what the discussion is you're having with them. I think there's one thing about um, having intimate conversations about finances that is um, demonstratively different than sex. And maybe you'll push back on this. I don't know. Okay. But I think, you know, so much of my childhood experience of, you know, how I was provided for the way that we did things and all of those things happened and were experienced pretty much outside of language, which means nobody explained all the things that were happening and why they were a choice and why they were important and what my other options were. We just did the things that we did. They were um, normal, and I had to make meaning from those things. Mm -hmm. And I normally didn't sit around as a 7-year-old or a 12-year-old or an 18-year-old and go, here's what this means to me, and here's how I feel about it. And so you know, I, I think that comes to a shock for most people is, is that when you try to get to the root of why we do things financially, why we're pushed or pulled in directions financially, um, we don't necessarily, we're not good at putting words to those things because we've never necessarily attached language to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a similar experience when you start talking about sex. Yeah, for sure. There you go. People, um, you know, people don't, it's hard to find language that's emotionally laden for certain kinds of experiences and certainly sexual experiences like that as well. You know, we don't necessarily locate the words that have some feeling connected to them and then ascribe that to the subject of sex. And I think this is what you and I were getting to when we first started kind of sketching this topic out is these seem like such different topics. They seem like they would have nothing in common. And yet being potentially number one and two on the list of things that cause friction in a marriage, it made it interesting to go in there and realize that a lot of the same mechanisms, this inability to connect language with feelings, um, this inability to kind of know ourselves well enough um, to feel comfortable with our past, to talk about it, Mm -hmm. um, this willingness to explore our partner with grace and forgiveness and curiosity, um, those are all difficult things for us to do. And I'm still blown away by the idea that couples come to you and it's harder to talk about their finances. Than I know, sex. But I, I, I can kind of see how that might be the case. Sure. Um, you know, I think one of the other similarities is if, <clears throat> if one or the other of these subjects aren't handled well, both of them can lead to serious insecurity. And when you feel insecure about something, there's that's an indication of, something in the relationship not being safe, emotionally safe. Could be other kinds of safety problems too, but I mostly mean emotionally safe. So, you know, if you're struggling in a relationship to be able to have uh, an honest, open conversation about money, let's say, then and then your partner, you know, spends a lot of money on something and you haven't discussed it, then there is an increase in feeling insecure. Mm-hmm. It's, is this situation going to escalate and then we're not we're going to be broke we're not going to have right. enough money so that's you know it 
the insecurity is around money, we, we talk about it as if it's a money problem, but it's really a relational problem. And being that it's something that we're not confident talking about, there's the risk of talking about it. Because if I don't do a good job talking about it, maybe I'll make it worse. Right. Maybe I'll misrepresent myself. So let's take a second and talk about some of the advantages of actually dedicating some time and energy to improve our communication skills in these areas. Sounds good. So um, we had looked at one of the ways is that if it's handled well, um, both require mutual understanding. Yeah. You know, we, you and I are constantly talking about how important it is to understand the experience of your partner. We have to be able to make a mental picture of what, in our minds about what it's like to be in the, the shoes of our partner. But also we need to know when they say something, what does that mean to them? And it has to go both directions. It can't be one person is understanding the, the other and it only goes in that direction. Both people need to be able to have a reciprocal or mutual understanding of the other one's experience and their needs and their wants and how they, um, how those things fit into their history, into their experience over life, not just this moment, but the patterns of their life. Yeah, and if it's handled well, I mean, and we're talking again about money and sex here, if both are handled well, then it builds trust in the relationship. There's no doubt that trust is implicit in both of these subjects. I mean, think about sex, let's say. It's a very personal. You're literally naked. I mean, but also emotionally naked, too. You're you're in the presence of another and really um, making yourself emotionally available. And so... Trust is required there. Mm-hmm. The, the most sensitive parts of you, I mean that literally and figuratively, are, are visible. They're out in the open. And you need well, you to do talk about this for real. Okay, yes. Go ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you, have to be, you have to have some trust in the other in order for that moment mm-hmm. to be deeply connecting. And I think the same financially speaking, because you have to be able to say what your expectations are. And in order to communicate that, hey, I, I really want this to happen over the next year, or I really don't, I'm really afraid of addressing this over the next year. You really have to expose both um, things that you want that you're afraid won't happen. You have to expose things that you're not sure you have control over. You have to express some vulnerability of, I may or may not be able to make this happen. You know, all of us want to fulfill the needs of, of our family. Yeah. And financially, you know, these are none of these are givens, right? We make a plan, we make a budget, you know, we blow out a tire or something burns down or, you know, life has all of these variables that are thrown at us. And we're trying to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to carry my part of the, and you're going, how can I make these promises? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it builds a lot of trust to throw yourself out there um, and then be accountable to those words. I, I like something you said just now, you know, I think if, if it, these subjects are handled well and both parties are really a lot better at asking for what they need. You know, being, being vulnerable, it's being, it's vulnerable to ask for what you need from your partner. Mm-hmm. It, it's sometimes a difficult thing to, to raise your hand in the relationship and say, this isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. What I really want is something different, especially when you believe the other one likes how it's been or wants something different than right. you being able to, say that there's something important about your own needs is, you know, it's uh, 
open and vulnerable kind of position to be in. You know, one of the things that we've talked about a bunch is that in a good relationship, you feel safe and secure. Yeah. I've actually been thinking about this because um, my wife cannot guarantee me that I will always feel safe and secure because of her ability to make that happen. Right. Um, You know, this last year, the market went down. No one, no one could stop that from, I mean, there's not a switch that you get to throw to stop that from happening. Right. You can't stop a job lot. You can't stop your company going out of business. You can't stop, you know, cancer. So what does safety and security really mean in that context? And I'm thinking there's, there's kind of a nuance here. And that is that I don't necessarily need you to guarantee me safety and security. I just need to know that you're doing the best you can to support us. Yeah. And if what you're doing is the best you can do, and I know what that is, and I see it, and I'm doing the best I can, even when things don't fit our plans, even when things go south, even when things break, I can still feel safe and secure in the relationship, even though the circumstances may not be safe or secure. Yeah, I agree. This, you know, of course, it depends on the person, and we all have our different experience Mm -hmm. of safety growing up, which influences how we feel now. But your point stands, if your partner is consistent with you over time and creates a a real um, intrinsic motivation to care about you and shows that to you, then even if they make a mistake or if something external, job loss or whatever happens and illness or whatever happens and and you know your life kind of blows up in one way or another you're still you still have the native belief that they're there for you and that's what w- one of the big things that you need in order to feel safe mm-hmm. um you know we were kind of talking earlier about you know this is a combination of finance and intimacy yeah so made me wonder so what is financial intimacy and i think it's what we've been talking about quite honestly for the last couple of years is this idea of kind of exploring ourselves and each other together. Yeah. Um, and helping our partner put words to things that they've experienced, um, putting words to things that they've known so that they can talk about it to us and share that with us. Yeah. Um, and provide, you know, more knowledge of who they are and who, where they've come from and who they want to be and what their fears are. Um, and this really is an, an intimacy is really the word because it really is an idea of coming together and um, kind of the two becoming one where, you know, you, it's not just that I can finish your sentences or my spouse's sentences. I know the meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. I also think subjectively it's sort of the experience of an intense closeness, you know, that we, we feel that obviously if things are going well during sex, but I think we also feel that when we're talking about important subjects like money or any other important subject that, that not only is it uh, a sense of being on the same page or sort of two coming to be one. Um, but also I think it's like the, the, uh, the felt internal sense that someone else understands you on a deep level and shares your experience mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. So let's start working towards the exit here. Okay. What are some things that we could kind of share with our listeners that, hey, these would be some great activities or some great exercises that you could either say this is financial, 
this is how to make things go better in the checkbook, or this is how to maybe make things go better in the bedroom. You know, one of the things that's super simple and straightforward, and I think everyone will know this already, is that they will understand this implicitly, is that in relationships, it's often easy to complain about something that's going wrong. And it's much less easy or straightforward, even though it's simple, to just give a common um, piece of gratitude or praise. A compliment. A compliment. Just, hey, I really appreciate that you did the laundry. You know, your partner probably does stuff all day that are, Mm -hmm. that, you know, moves the couple forward. Yeah, advances your cause. Yeah, but because their routine or, you know, not very sexy, right? You know, we just assume that they ought to do their job, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe we say they don't, they shouldn't get compliments for that because that's just their job. I do my job. I don't expect compliments, right? But the truth is, we all like to be acknowledged for the work Mm -hmm. that we do. And so one thing that I think it's really helpful is to be able to locate the things that are going well Mm -hmm. and say something about them. And then there's the other one where you could just say, you know, and again, this works both ways, you know, Hey, I wish we could do more of, you know, which is kind of the, I didn't know you felt that way. I didn't know that was important to you. I didn't know that was meaningful to you. Um, and it might not take much effort on my part um, yeah. to do more of the thing that works for you. Sure. I also like that as a way of saying something that's sort of different than a complaint. When you're identifying the thing you want more of, <laughs> you know, you can kind of avoid making the complaint and say, I really like it when you do this. Could you do more of that? My wife will occasionally cook something that we've never had before as a family. And we discovered um, from another family a little trick that is real helpful because nobody wants to say that was crap and we don't ever want to eat that again. Cause you know that, right. It just doesn't, it doesn't fly. It doesn't fly. <laughs> so we have a, a language where if something new makes it to the dinner table, she will say, so how do you guys like the new whatever? And our answer is, is we would love to see this again, or it was great, but we don't need to see it in the normal rotation. <laughs> and does that work? Yeah, mostly. Okay. Mostly. It Good. softens the blow a little bit. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thanks for cooking this. Yes. <laughs> right. Honest, open communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I think one other thing that we can do is just being uh, aware of and valuing when the other person is open. Um, you know, it sometimes takes a lot of courage for your partner to say something that's vulnerable Mm -hmm. or open and just acknowledging that they're being open and paying attention to their openness, Mm -hmm. saying something about it is really important. And and of course the reverse is true. Like if you're going to value their openness, also it's important for us to value our own openness and make sure that we're pressing ourselves to say what's on our mind. And then we always talk about this as being persistently curious. No so, doubt. Um, you know, sometimes we kind of think we've arrived. I know how to do the money. Um, I know what my spouse likes. You know, I'm now the resident expert in X, Y, and Z. Sure. That doesn't mean that you've learned everything there is to learn. That doesn't mean that you're covering all the bases. That doesn't mean that there's not room for improvement. Right. And um, that curiosity, I think, goes a long way to communicating to your spouse that 
their satisfaction financially or otherwise mm-hmm. is important to you. Yeah. And if you can make it better, let's make it better. And wanting to know how to make it better is an important part of. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the question is, is, you know, does, um, does being good at money as a couple, does it pay off in other places um, in the relationship? I'm sure it does. <laughs> Don't you think your, your partner finds it sexy when you do something well? I think it does. And I think just <clears throat> all the things that we're talking about here, which is if you're a good communicator, if you're looking, if you're curious about signals that are coming from your spouse, if you're trying to you know, improve and always look out for um, their needs, if you're attentive, um, you know, I have heard a million times from a million different sources um, that you know, most foreplay starts a long ways away from the bedroom. Oh, my gosh. Foreplay is happening all the time if you're doing it right. So, dadgummit, it sounds to me like getting it right on the finances couldn't hurt. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, if, uh, if you uh, want to make some comments on this, feel free. Um, obviously, this has made my skin crawl a little bit. <laughs> Jeff's laughing at me because he's like, I do this all day. And this wasn't hard at all. We didn't even talk about anything. Um, but uh, it is an interesting idea to explore, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you. See you next time. All right. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a like, comment, or review. And tell your friends. New episodes drop weekly. Learn more about Jeff and John at relational-media.com. 